Welcome to Centuries of Sound. This special episode is a sound collage of original recordings from the 7th of December 1941, and the few days after that. I'm presenting it without any music, except as it was played on the radio that day. Please remember that radio recording was in its infancy in 1941, and most of what you'll hear today is worse sound quality than you may be used to. I make centuries of sound on my own in my spare time. You can help my project continue and grow by signing up as a supporter at patreon.com slash centuries of sound. Newsroom. 
from the NBC newsroom in New York. The White House also reported today an air, a simultaneous air attack on Army and Navy bases in Manila. This report followed the President's declaration that all Army and bases on the island of Oahu in Hawaii are now under air attack. This bulletin came to you from the NBC newsroom in New York. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Wholesalers and distributors will have to help in making adjustments so that the squeeze will be distributed as equitably as possible. Right now, while you were talking, I've just learned that the Japanese are now bombing Burma. This is an act that may lead the United States to war against Japan. It may lead Canada to more active military effort against Japan. I, I merely mention this to show how fast events are moving while we're discussing these adjustments that are being made in the Canadian and American economies during the war. This is CBS in America calling Honolulu. Go ahead, Honolulu. This is CBS in America calling Honolulu. Go ahead, Honolulu. Go ahead, Honolulu. We should like to now try to call in Manila, the capital of the Philippine Commonwealth. Go ahead, Manila. This is CBS in America calling Manila. Go ahead. We regret that we are unable to contact either Honolulu or Manila. We return you now to William L. Shirer in New York. Here is a flash just received in our newsroom. Stateline Washington. United States Army transport carrying lumber was torpedoed 1,300 miles west of San Francisco. Details on this news and other news that has been coming in on the Far East situation will be given to you at approximately 3.35 during the intermission of the New York Philharmonic concert. We return you now to the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii by air, President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. 
The symphony number one in F minor by the modern Russian composer Shostakovich performed as the opening work on this afternoon's Philharmonic program, Artur Rudzinski conducting. Japan has attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and Manila, the Philippine Islands, from the air. The attack is developing. Today, Dean Taylor's usual commentary will be replaced by a further report on the Far Eastern situation. We pause now for 15 seconds. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is WCCO Studios in Minneapolis and St. Paul. The Twin City temperature, 37 degrees. This is John Daly speaking from the CBS newsroom in New York. Here is the Far East situation as reported to this moment. The Japanese have attacked the American naval base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and our defense facilities at Manila, capital of the Philippines. The first disclosure of this news was made by Presidential Secretary Stephen Early by telephone at approximately 2.25 in Washington. I read the text of this historic announcement at a little after 2.30. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor from the air and all naval and military activities on the island of Oahu, the principal American base in the Hawaiian Islands. That was Secretary Early's message. Short while later, he dictated another message. A second air attack has been reported. This one has been made on the Army and Navy bases in Manila. And here's a last-minute Associated Press flash from Honolulu. A naval engagement is in progress off Honolulu with at least one black enemy aircraft carrier in action against the Pearl Harbor defenses. Secretary Early informed all correspondents and then rushed to the White House to be with President Roosevelt. As the announcement was made, the two Japanese envoys, Ambassador Nomura and Special Emissary Kurosu, were at the State Department. Columbia's correspondent in London, Bob Trout, heard the news for the first time from our report from New York. Up to that moment, or very shortly before then, the British capital had not been informed of the Japanese attack on the Hawaiian Islands and on Manila. In view of Prime Minister Churchill's recent pledge that a British declaration of war on Japan would follow almost immediately upon the outbreak of war between Japan and the United States, a British announcement is expected soon. Columbia's correspondent, Ford Wilkins, was put on the air in CBS's regular 2.30 news program on Sunday afternoon from Manila. He was cut off the air suddenly while he was talking about air raid shelters, possibly because of censorship. In communication with Columbia's radio station, KGMB in Honolulu, we heard here in New York that the Pearl Harbor base had been attacked and anti-aircraft fire was heard. A telephone message to the United Press from Fort Schaefer in Hawaii said that 50 planes attacked the island of Oahu. The planes were officially described so far as unidentified in these messages, although later reports that have come in from the press associations definitely identify at least two of these planes as carrying the emblem of the rising sun, the emblem of Japan. The Pearl Harbor attack reported by KGMB in Honolulu is said to have been carried out in other messages by 50 to 100 planes, and a half an hour ago, it was said to be still continuing. The smoke of anti-aircraft guns rose over the Pearl Harbor Navy Yard. Heavy smoke also drifted up from Hickam Field in the Pearl Harbor area, apparently from fires, and witnesses said fires broke out on Ford Island. The main targets in this action by the Japanese appeared to be Hickman Field, which is the Army Field, and the great naval base at Pearl Harbor, and several planes were reported shot down. Also, we've had a report from Honolulu that policemen and firemen were ordered in a radio broadcast to go to Army and Navy posts immediately. Major George Fielding Elliott, when this dispatch originally came in, pointed out that this may indicate that some of the Japanese resident in that area are being uh, aides in this action by the Japanese against the shore areas. And the firemen and policemen may have been called up to stop any abortive revolutionary action in that area. Here's the first Associated Press dispatch from Honolulu. At least two Japanese bombers 
Their wings bearing the insignia of the rising sun appeared over Honolulu at about 7.35 a.m. Honolulu time today and dropped bombs. As I told you a little earlier, these are the two planes of the reported 50 to 100 which have been definitely identified as wearing the insignia of the rising sun. Unverified reports said that a foreign warship appeared off Pearl Harbor and has begun firing at the defenses of that mighty fortified post. Reports also say that the Japanese bombers scored two hits, one at Hickman Field, Air Post, Air Corps Post on Oahu Island, and the other at Pearl Harbor, which set an oil tank afire. American anti-aircraft has set up a terrific din, and the sky also is filled with American battle aircraft. We have just heard that the Press Association dispatchers, of course, are pouring in here. We've had a Washington bulletin received just a few minutes ago that disclosed an American army transport, which was carrying lumber, was torpedoed 1,300 miles west of San Francisco. And we've just heard by telephone that Albert Warner in Washington has news of a State Department announcement. That was Albert Warner's report from Washington on the latest developments in the Far Eastern situation with a report from the State Department. One mystery in connection with the announcement from Washington arose this afternoon when Ford Wilkins, the CBS correspondent in Manila, reported by telephone to Columbia at 3.30 o'clock that there had been no bombing of Manila. However, the INS has reported that the American naval base at Cafiti Island off Luzon was subjected to an enemy attack this morning. Army and Navy authorities commanded all forces to their stations and told them to resist the attack. There were no immediate reports on the damage. Now, Major George Fielding Elliott is here beside me again. And, Major Elliott, we have a question which I believe needs answering. Do you see any grand strategy in these Japanese attacks upon the Hawaiian Islands and upon the Philippines? The Philippines, and that is, refers particularly to the naval and air base of Manila, stands between Japan's home bases and the uh, operations which she is conducting in Indochina. Uh, one more item which may be of interest. We have just been informed here officially that the present reaction of the British government is officially this, to call attention to the Prime Minister's statement in his speech in the House of Commons some time ago that Great Britain would be at war with Japan one hour after the Japan attacked the United States. And now you've heard Mr. Warner's report of the War Department order in Washington ordering all military personnel in this country into uniform. The Army's order affected not only the thousands of officers on duty in Washington who have thus far performed their functions in civilian clothes to avoid a militaristic appearance, but all officers in every core area, the United States possessions and outlying bases. And here is a bulletin that has just come in from the Press Association's Dateline Los Angeles. Rear Admiral Charles H. Blakely broadcast an order today for all officers and men attached to the 11th Naval District to report to their ships or stations immediately. Washington is expected to blossom out tomorrow as a city of uniforms because huge numbers of officers have been pouring into the city for months to perform the Army's overhead functions. Early said that so far as the President's information went, attacks were still in progress at Manila and in Hawaii. That is, of course, Stephen Early, Presidential Press Secretary. In other words, he said, we don't know that the Japanese have bombed and left. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. WCCO Minneapolis. The United Press announces that it is ordering into operation on a 24-hour schedule all of its least wire circuits throughout the country. The order was given to the American Telephone and Telegraph Company shortly after 2 p.m. to see that all newspaper and radio clients of the United Press, regardless of their normal hours of service, were hooked into the UP wire system immediately for continuing service until further notice. At this time each Sunday, the National Broadcasting Company presents H.V. Kaltenborn, Dean of Radio Commentators, 
who today will analyze and interpret the day's startling news from the Pacific. Mr. Gosborne. Good afternoon, everybody. Japan has made war upon the United States without declaring it. Airplanes, presumably from aircraft carriers, have attacked the great Pearl Harbor naval base on the island of Oahu in the Hawaiian Islands and have attacked Manila, capital of the Philippines. There has been damage. Some fires were started. About 50 planes participated in the attack on the Hawaiian Islands. Many, according to a bulletin that has just come in, were shot down. You have been listening to Mr. H.V. Kaltenborn, noted news analyst. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Japanese nationals in this strategic naval center of Norfolk today, as soon as he learned of the Japanese attack on the Japanese air attack on the Pacific, requesting all officers and men attached to the district, our vessels of the district, to report to their stations or ships that when you go to buy one of your family, California. We return you now to our regularly scheduled program. And here she is to sing it for us today. Churchill and John G. Wynant, United States Ambassador to Britain, are conferring tonight. They met a short time after President Roosevelt's announcement that Japanese planes had attacked Hawaii and the Philippines. The British government previously had served notice that it would declare war on Japan within an hour of any such declaration by the United States. But there has been no declaration of war as yet. The Secretary of War has just announced that all military personnel on active duty is to appear Monday in uniform. For the latest news on the Pacific situation, keep tuned to this station. Back to our regular program. Well, <laughs> that's fine. Don't use it on one of our seven basic tools, you know. <laughs> so I heard. Thank you, Warren Williams, for your very pertinent remarks and for an interesting sidelight on the whole problem of catalytic. And I think you'll all agree that the news on Listen America today has highlighted the spirit of determination and courage that has always been a part of the American tradition. And for the thousands of you listening today who join in this great national crusade, it's good news that doctors everywhere are in the vanguard. this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air, President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. We take you now to Washington. The details are not available. They will be in a few minutes. The White House is now giving out a statement. The attack apparently was made on all naval and on naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. The president's brief statement was read to reporters by Stephen Early, the president's secretary. A Japanese attack upon Pearl Harbor naturally would mean war. Such an attack would naturally bring a counterattack. 
and hostilities of this kind would naturally mean that the President would ask Congress for a declaration of war. There is no doubt from the temper of Congress that such a declaration would be granted. This morning, Secretary Hull talked with the Secretaries of War and of the Navy. Now the two special Japanese envoys, Admiral Nomura and Special Envoy Caruso, are, are at the State Department engaged in conference with Secretary of State Hull. Their appearance at the State Department on this Sunday afternoon emphasizes the gravity of the Far Eastern situation where hostilities now seem to be actually opening over the whole South Pacific. And just now comes the word from the President's office that a second air attack has been reported on Army and Navy bases in Manila. Thus, we have official announcements from the White House that Japanese airplanes have attacked Pearl Harbor in Hawaii and have now attacked Army and Navy bases in Manila. We return you now to New York and we'll give you later information as it comes along from the White House. Return you now to New York. Richard Dyer Bennett, Texacopagus. We interrupt this program to bring you a special broadcast. Washington, the president decided today after Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor and Manila to call an extraordinary meeting of the cabinet for 8.30 p.m. tonight and to have congressional leaders of both parties join the conference at 9 p.m. And now we take you to Honolulu. going on. 
One moment, please. Ladies and gentlemen, we're standing by for a further word from Honolulu, and we expect to rejoin them in just a moment. However, here's a bulletin which has just come in to the NBC newsroom in New York. Nomura, the Japanese ambassador, and Kurusu, the special Japanese envoy, were at the State Department at the time of the White House's announcement of the attacks on Hawaii. The two Japanese went to see Secretary of State Hall at 1.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and remained about 20 minutes. And now we take you to Washington. Had the news, so today when I hurried over to this newsroom, 
Were the rest of these men that are now crowding it? I had the same feeling because I knew the faces that I looked into, the tourists, the Sunday persons going for their walks, had no idea whatever what had actually happened or what it means. Back in New York City, here's the bulletin. Honolulu, Japanese bombs killed at least five persons and injured many others, three seriously, in a surprise morning aerial attack today on Honolulu. The sky was filled with puffs of smoke from exploding shells fired by American Army and Navy anti-aircraft units. Whether surface vessels of the United States fleet were in action against the enemy could not be learned at once, but columns of water rising from the sea as shells hit the water indicated a naval action. Viewed from the hills back of Honolulu, where many city folk went to view the fight, columns of heavy black smoke went skyward from Pearl Harbor. And Washington. Senate leaders were preparing today for an emergency session tomorrow in anticipation of a message from President Roosevelt asking for a declaration of war against Japan. Berlin. A German spokesman declared tonight there could be no reaction from Germany to the announced Japanese air attack on Pearl Harbor until all sides of the case were at hand. And San Francisco. The Army and Navy went on a war basis on the Pacific seaboard today. All these were canceled, all furloughs revoked, and every man was ordered to report to his station. For the latest news on the Pacific situation, please keep tuned to this station. This is the National Broadcasting Company. greeting cards for their courtesy in relinquishing their broadcast period so that you might hear these latest news bulletins. We present a piano recital. to bring you a special broadcast. We take you now to Washington. One moment, please. Go ahead, Washington.
While Balkis was talking in Washington, a wire came in, a bulletin that the supreme command of the nation's defense forces are now in conference at the White House. Secretary of War Stimson, Secretary of Navy Knox, and General George C. Marshall, Army Chief of Staff, were with President Roosevelt. We have witnessed this morning the attack of Pearl Harbor and the severe bombing of Pearl Harbor by Army planes, undoubtedly Japanese. The city of Honolulu has also been attacked and considerable damage done. This battle has been going on for nearly three hours. <clears throat> One of the bombers dropped within 50 feet of Conti Tower. It's no joke. It's a real war. Keep tuned to the station for further details. This is the National Broadcasting Company. I think I have just received the most interesting and perhaps the most important sidelight on what has happened. I remember very well the Manchurian incident of 1931, when the Japanese army overnight sprang upon the Chinese army and seized Manchuria. The next day, I was in touch with the foreign office in Tokyo. I discovered that it was a complete surprise to the Tokyo foreign office, and that that government in Tokyo, if it had been properly pressured by America and England, would have repudiated that attack and declared it a mutiny. I have just been in touch with the San Francisco Japanese Consulate General. The consul, Mr. Yoshio Muto, was not able to talk, but his representative and secretary, Mr. K. Inagaki, spoke to me from the home of Mr. Muto. He said that the attack is a complete surprise to the foreign officer, the uh, consul general here in San Francisco, that the first that the San Francisco Japanese consulate general knew about it was hearing it over our radio, and he implied that it is likewise a complete surprise to the foreign office in Tokyo and the Japanese government in Tokyo. We'll wait to see what happens now, and particularly watch for a declaration from Mr. Nomura in Washington. Thank you. Oh, I'm to go on a little while longer. I'm sorry, I got the signals wrong. All right, there's plenty of material here in front of us. Uh... Police department poured reserves into the district it's in uh, uh, Los Angeles, a little Tokyo. But as I have told you, there are no disorders reported from there yet. <laughs> if this is a purposeful attack on the part of the Japanese, intended by the government, we're in for an exceedingly bitter war in the Pacific. A war in which all the bitterness of racial hostility will come out. Because the average American will resent to the very marrow having been attacked this way, unawares, when uh, his, his own government was talking in a friendliest fashion with the emissaries of the Tokyo government. From San Francisco, we brought to NBC's News Hour. The first information in Honolulu that claims that Japan were attacking the islands was about 8 o'clock this morning, Hawaiian time. The first group of Japanese airplanes attacked at attacked Port Island at Pearl Harbor. And now friends, the National Council of Catholic Men invites all those listeners to join in offering up this prayer for peace. O oh God, from whom our holy desires, right counsel, just work, give to thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be devoted to the keeping of thy commandments. Our country spare the horror of war, and our brethren in other lands blessed with the gift of thy peace. Christ our Lord. Amen. More late war bulletins from the NBC newsroom. Washington, 
The White House has just announced that the Navy has advised the President that Japan had attacked the island of Guam. A few moments before the Navy informed the White House that an unidentified squadron of planes was over Guam, a tiny island in the Pacific beyond Hawaii. Governor Poindexter of Hawaii talked with President Roosevelt late today. He reported heavy damage to property and life in Honolulu and said a second wave of Japanese planes was just coming over. This wave was over Honolulu at about 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In making this announcement, the White House also cast doubt on the authenticity of earlier reports that the Japanese had bombed Manila. Stephen Early, presidential secretary, said that since the report of the attack on Manila, the War and Navy Department had attempted to get confirmation or substantiating reports, but had been unable to reach Army or Navy commanders in the Philippines. Keep tuned to this station for further developments. In this moment of trial, the seven neighbor countries which make up the Pan American Coffee Bureau welcome the chance to express their support for their great good neighbor, the United States. The new solidarity which has been effected between the Americas in the last few years stands us all in good stead in the face of this emergency. The Americas stand together. Thank you, Dan Seymour. And now here's the Pan American Coffee Bureau's Sunday evening news reviewer and newsmaker to give us her usual interesting observations on the world we live in. Mrs. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> I'm speaking to you tonight at a very serious moment in our history. The cabinet is convening and the leaders in Congress are meeting with the president. The State Department and Army and Navy officials have been with the president all afternoon. In fact, the Japanese ambassador was talking to the president at the very time that Japan's airships were bombing our citizens in Hawaii and the Philippines and sinking one of our transports loaded with lumber on its way to Hawaii. By tomorrow morning, the members of Congress will have a full report and be ready for action. In the meantime, we, the people, are already prepared for action. For months now, the knowledge that something of this kind might happen has been hanging over. It seemed impossible to believe, impossible to drop the everyday things of life and feel that there was only one thing which was important, preparation to meet an enemy no matter where he struck. That is all over now, and there is no more uncertainty. We know what we have to face, and we know that we are ready to face it. I should like to say just a word to the women in the country tonight. I have a boy at sea on a destroyer. For all I know, he may be on his way to the Pacific. Two of my children are in coast cities on the Pacific. Many of you all over this country have boys in the services who will now be called upon to go into action. You have friends and families in what has suddenly become a danger zone. You cannot escape anxiety. You cannot escape a clutch of fear at your heart. And yet I hope that the certain powers given to me will make you rise above these fears. And now, Mrs. Roosevelt, we understand you spent part of this week in New York City. Were you Christmas shopping? Yes, I did some Christmas shopping. And one afternoon, I found myself in a crowded elevator in a large department store. Suddenly, a lady near me seemed to have a brainstorm. And looking at me, she asked, Are you Mrs. Roosevelt? Yes, I said. And she then proceeded with, Do you mean to say you go around without any guard? 
I thought there was nobody left in New York City who would be surprised at meeting me almost anywhere at any hour of the day or night. So I was quite shocked to find that I was looked upon as a curiosity when found in broad daylight in the elevator of a large store. And Friday, I understand, Mrs. Roosevelt, you graciously received at the White House the charming young ladies who are representing my sponsor, the Pan American Coffee Bureau, in a goodwill tour of this country. It is a great pleasure to meet these young women from Latin America who are here on a tour of goodwill. And I hope they enjoyed their cups of coffee in the White House. I'm sure they did, Mrs. Roosevelt. And now, speaking of coffee, Dan Seymour, I understand you have a word or two to say on that subject. I certainly have. The seven young ladies who, as guests of the Pan American Coffee Bureau, have come from their republics to enjoy a visit with leaders in public and social life in the United States are delighting everyone with their charm. Just as coffee, the delicious product of their homelands, delights more and more of us every day. Next week at the same time, Mrs. Roosevelt will be with us again to give us more of her interesting views on world affairs. This is Dan Seymour saying good evening for the Pan American Coffee Bureau. And don't forget that good night cup of coffee. Now more than ever, do your part. Buy defense bonds and stamps. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Tonight, Japan is at war with the United States and Great Britain. Tokyo has so announced in a declaration. We will interrupt all programs to give you latest news bulletins. Stay tuned to this station. J-L-L-O. The Jell-O program brought to you by Jell-O and Jell-O Puddings. Starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with the Gay Ranchero. A convenient way to buy Jello, ladies and gentlemen, is to get several packages at a time and use them as you want them. And with the new Jell-O, you can do this without any fear that your supply of Jell-O will lose flavor and freshness as it stands on the pantry shelf. You can now buy a dozen packages of Jell-O at one time and know that they will all stay at the peak of their goodness until you want them. Ladies and gentlemen, a special announcement. The entire regular personnel of the sheriff's and police office has been placed on a two-platoon basis with 12-hour shift. All auxiliary personnel has been directed to stand by for emergency service instructions. The regular county defense program is functioning in an orderly manner, and citizens are urged to remain calm and avoid all unnecessary confusion because of hysteria. Citizen volunteers are asked to go quietly to their nearest police or fire stations and offer their services if they wish to help. There is no immediate cause for alarm, and coolness will accomplish more than anything else. Congratulations, you wrote a wonderful play. But, Jack, without you, it would have been impossible. You were even better than the last week. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, how about a band number, Bill? Okay, Dowdy. <laughs> Hold it. Come in. Well, Mr. Benny, you did it again. Were you scared? Look at Herman. He just won't go down. <laughs> What a head he's got. That's the only persimmon I ever saw with brown eyes. Play, Phil. (laughs) 
Another war bulletin, Shanghai. The Japanese took over the American Shanghai Power and Light Company this morning. A bulletin from New York. The Japanese news agency broadcast tonight the Japanese foreign minister, Shinginori Togo, summoned U.S. Ambassador Joseph C. Grew and handed to him Japan's reply to Secretary of State Cordell Hull's terms for peace in the Pacific. This news came hours after the bombing of Honolulu. We return you now to Hollywood. from Weekend in Havana, played by Blotto Harris, and that goes for the whole orchestra. <laughs> this is the National Broadcasting Company. Ladies and gentlemen, we will interrupt all programs to give you latest news bulletins. Stay tuned to this station. Here comes the big bandwagon! One moment, please. Broadcasting Company. 
We will hope later to be able to bring you direct reports from both Honolulu and Manila. To recapitulate, the White House reported today Japanese air attacks on the Hawaiian Islands and Manila in the Philippines. Here in the studio with me is Major George Fielding Elliott, Columbia's military expert, who will analyze now these latest developments in the Far East. Major Elliott. The Japanese appear to be taking the offensive in an effort to delay and impede American operations in the Far East. Apparently confronted with a situation in which there was no escape except war, the Japanese have attacked the main American naval base in the Pacific at Pearl Harbor on the island of Oahu in the Hawaiian Islands. This attack is by air and can only come from aircraft carriers since the Japanese do not have any bases close enough to the Hawaiian Islands from which to launch land-based aircraft. This is a very great risk for the Japanese to place aircraft carriers within reach of the very powerful naval patrol bombers and the long-range army bombers on the island of Oahu. It is a risk which would only be assumed as a very desperate measure, one which may well result in the loss of the carriers that are making the attack, but may also gain for the Japanese important time to carry out operations in the Far East because of the damage that they may inflict on the naval base and shipping in Oahu, and thus delay the proceeding of the United States Pacific Fleet to the Western Pacific. That is probably the Japanese object, and uh, we don't know yet what success they've had in carrying it out. They're expecting to take heavy losses, and these losses may be expected. The question is how much delay they have purchased for the carriers that they have risked. We have been on the telephone with our station in uh, KGMB, which is in Honolulu, and they report to us that the attacking planes number between 50 and 100, that the air raid is still on, and that the anti-aircraft fire can be heard in a steady drone as the attacking planes come in. We received a bulletin just a little while ago which reported that there have been some of these, what Manila Corps, rather Honolulu calls, unidentified planes shot down. And this latest report now from KGMB is all that we have to the moment. We will continue to receive reports from there, also from Washington, on the developments in our relations with Japan, the relations which will tell very shortly the story of what is to happen in the months that are to come. And Columbia will bring you important news bulletins during the broadcast of the New York Philharmonic Society, which follows this program, and will also bring you a summary of all developments at the intermission time. From Washington, the recruiting office of the United States Navy announces that all recruiting centers will be open at 8 a.m. tomorrow. You've been listening to Elmer Davis, Albert Warner, Bob Trout from London, and Major George Feeling Elliott with a review and analysis of the Far Eastern situation. The Wrigley Company has told us that we may interrupt their program at any time to bring you the latest bulletins. But now, we return you to our regularly scheduled program. According to a Reuters dispatch, General Douglas MacArthur has ordered all women and children in Manila to evacuate the seacoast and move to areas inland. The Dutch East Indies has just declared war on Japan. Costa Rica in South America has also just declared war. A bulletin from New York. Mayor Fiorello H. LaGuardia, civilian defense director, announced tonight he had ordered all Japanese nationals in New York City to remain in their homes until their status is established by the federal government. At the same time, John Colling, superintendent of operations for TWA, acting on instructions from the Civil Aeronautics Authority, 
issued an order prohibiting TWA planes from carrying any Japanese national. This order was directed against the special Japanese envoy, Korosu. We take you now to Hollywood. One Man's Family, brought to you by Tenderleaf Tea. make your holiday plans, here's news you'll be glad to get. Your grocer now has his yuletide supply of tenderleaf sea balls in the holiday wrapping. Bright, gay, colorful gifts to convey the good cheer of the season. Here is the news. Japan's long-threatened aggression in the Far East began tonight with air attacks on United States naval bases in the Pacific. Fresh reports are coming in every minute. The latest facts of the situation are these. Messages from Tokyo say that Japan has announced a formal declaration of war against both the United States and Britain. The Japanese air raids were made on the Hawaiian Islands and the Philippines. Observers' reports say that an American battleship has been hit and that a number of the Japanese bombers have been shot down. A naval action is in progress off Honolulu, and American transport with timber on board has been torpedoed in the Pacific, and another cargo ship is reported in distress. President Roosevelt has told the Army and Navy to act on their secret orders, has called a meeting of ministers, and is preparing a report for Congress. In London, Mr. Wynant has seen Mr. Churchill, and both Houses of Parliament have been summoned for tomorrow afternoon to hear a statement on the situation. Japanese attack on Hawaii and the Philippine Islands and the torpedo assault on two American cargo ships in the Pacific have come with an electrifying shock. There are crowds right now gathered in front of the White House and the State Department and the Japanese Embassy. They are sober, quiet crowds. 
There is more excitement among a crowd of 150 newspaper men jammed within the lobby of the White House executive office. For a comparatively few feet away, the president is dictating the first draft of a message to Congress. That much is announced at the White House. And this means that a joint session of Congress will be held probably as early as tomorrow, at which the president will announce the Japanese attack upon the United States and ask for a declaration of war. The selective service laws to make changes which would allow draftees and National Guardsmen to fight outside the Western Hemisphere. The Republic of Panama ordered the arrest of Japanese residents. Mexico and Cuba pledged their support of the United States along with several South American nations. Costa Rica, Canada, the Dutch East Indies, and possibly Australia have already declared war. In London, the Home Office declared a state of war between Japan and Britain, and police began an immediate roundup. Parliament is acting this morning to make a formal declaration. On the Russian war front this morning, the Red Army claims to have recaptured several villages around Moscow, wiping out 30,000 Nazi troops in the operation. Pravda asserts that Russian forces have now cleared the highway all the way from the capital to the munition city of Tula, 100 miles to the south. This news came to you from the NBC newsroom in Chicago. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Hear me sing. I've got swing. If you're feeling blue, don't know what to do. Here's all I can say to you. Get along. Get along. Your rhythm sent to see me And you like your something to me That's when you should call to see me I've got swing for sale If you think a waltz is horrid And you like your rhythm torrid Till it makes you mop your forehead I've got swing for sale Rhythm is what the country needs For years and years I've said it When you buy from me it's C.O.T. I sell swing but it's not for credit So you often get your ration Of my swinging sensation I'll supply the intonation I've got playing for them
In other words, it's a feeling that you want. Because we have Joe Galicchio here, who's feeling pretty well. Joe told me he felt like there was a storm raging in his summer. We interrupt our programs to bring you a special news bulletin. We take you now to the NBC newsroom. Ladies and gentlemen, here are some of the latest bulletins on the war. The Chinese government, which for four years has been the victim of so-called incident at the hands of Japan, this morning has decided to make a formal declaration of war against the Japanese, and also against Germany and Italy. The Japanese foreign minister has just made this announcement at a news conference. And here's a bulletin from Melbourne, Australia. The Prime Minister of Australia, John Curtin, has just announced that the Japanese have attacked the island of Nauru. The National Broadcasting Company's nationwide networks are now on a 24-hour basis. Keep tuned to your local NBC station for latest news. This summary has come to you from the NBC newsroom in New York. our program to bring you a special broadcast. We have just received a bulletin. Britain has declared war on Japan. We take you now to London. It is indispensable that in our system of government, Parliament should play its full part in all the important acts of state and all the crucial moments in the conduct of the war. He said, I am glad to see so many members have been able to be in their places in spite of the short notice. I now return you to Mr. Collingwood. Another bulletin which has just come in, they're coming in all the time now, uh, refers to the actual military event. According to Mr. Churchill, who just finished saying this in the House of Commons, the Japanese began a landing in British territory in northern Malaya at 6 o'clock local time yesterday and they were immediately engaged by our forces, which were ready. Mr. Churchill is presumably going on at the moment to say more about this landing in Malaya. His statement that they were immediately engaged by our forces was greeted by cheers, and in the official record, it has the usual laconic British parenthesis, cheers. We take you now to London. The new dangers, either here or in the United States. The enemy is attacked with an audacity which may spring from recklessness, but which might also spring from conviction of strength. We have no reason to doubt, said Mr. Churchill, the justice of our cause or that our strength and willpower will be sufficient to sustain it. We have at least four-fifths of the population of the globe upon our side. We are responsible for their safety and for their future. In the past, we had a light which flickered in the present. We have a light at present we have a light which flames, and in the future, there will be a light which shines over all the land and sea. Mr. Churchill has now finished speaking in the House of Commons. Most observers, I think, will agree that this was not one of Churchill's great examples of oratory. He was sober, 
dignified and calm. Keep tuned to this station for further news. We return you to our regular program. Reminder, friends, that uh, whatever happens, no matter how black things may look, or mothers who possibly have boys away from home who might not be able to get home this Christmas, don't you lose your Christmas spirit this year, because the greatest single gift that we people of the Americas possess is the faith in God and a sense of humor. And also, don't forget, sometimes you can strike a giant who is dozing momentarily. When the giant is awakened, look out. As soon as I heard last night that Japan had attacked the United States, uh, my first feeling was that Parliament should be immediately summoned. I therefore spoke to President Roosevelt on the Atlantic telephone last night with a view to arranging the timing of our respective declarations. The President told me that he would this morning send a message to Congress, which, uh, of course, as you well know, is the uh, instrument, the constitutional instrument, uh, by which alone a uh, United States declaration of war can be made. And I assured him that we would follow immediately. In the past, we had a light which flickered. In the present, we have a light which flames. And in the future, there will be a light which will shine calm and resplendent over all the land and all the sea. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. Indeed, one hour after Japanese air squadrons had commenced bombing in the American island of Oahu, the Japanese ambassador to the United States and his colleagues delivered to our Secretary of State a formal reply to a recent American message. And while this reply stated 
that it seemed useless to continue the existing diplomatic negotiations. It contained no threat or hint of war or of armed attack. It will be recorded that the distance of Hawaii from Japan makes it obvious that the attack was deliberately planned many days or even weeks ago. During the intervening time, the Japanese government has deliberately sought to deceive the United States by false statements and expressions of hope for continued peace. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. Yesterday, the Japanese government also launched an attack against Malaya. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Hong Kong. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Guam. Last night, Japanese forces attacked the Philippine Islands. Last night, the Japanese attacked Wake Island. And this morning, the Japanese attacked Midway Island. Japan has therefore undertaken a surprise offensive extending throughout the Pacific area. The facts of yesterday and today speak for themselves. The people of the United States have already formed their opinions and well understand the implications to the very life and safety of our nation. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense, but always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I'm an electrician living in the Bronx in New York City, and... Uh, while I felt very keenly about this whole war situation, uh, that we had no part of it at the present time with the attack being made on the uh, United States, I'm in full accord with the action taken by the President and by the Congress of the United States. And I'll do all in my power to uh, work toward that uh, victory, which is absolutely essential.
I was born in China. I'm a student in uh, London at the same time. And the Congress declared on Japan, I'm very happy about. Uh, because Japan's always picked on a small nation and a weak one, and now they're sleeping on the U.S. And uh, I don't think it takes long to uh, clean that uh, bird, a uh, war bird, out of Tokyo. My name is Henry Smith, and I heard the president's speech today, and I think it was wonderful. And I'm on the maintenance staff of City College, and I hope to join up with our forces to help to right the wrong that Japan did to us. My name is Saul Scheidlinger. I came to this country three and a half years ago from Poland. I heard the president's speech, and I think that America is fully justified in defending our possessions. I'm sure that my new adopted country is going to need me now. I'm ready to join the colors of the United States when the need arises, despite the fact that there are only a few months left till I'm, till I'm going to graduate. I'm a taxi cab chauffeur, and I'm a veteran of the First World War. When I heard of the sneaky way the Japs started their aggressive war, I was very much shocked. I believe they sh the United States should try their utmost to beat them, gain a victory, and I'm willing to fight again to do my bit towards that end. I am a substitute postal clerk carrier employed in the New York City Postal Department. I am full of great joys and happiness after I listened to our great president's speech. It has felt, uh, has made me feel like a new man, felt that the burden that overshadowed our present crisis has come to an end, and action will now talk the loudest. We will do to our utmost to damn all that fascism and Nazism and imperialism by the, that uh, large uh, uh, Japanese empire who has endeavored in the past few years to destroy the things that people stand for and want to win. And I see the future. I see only but happiness in the future. I know this will be a terrible struggle, but I know the goodness of man, backed by the fineness of our president and the great preservation of our people, will conquer in the end. All that is evil. And thank God we have a great man above us who is our president. I'm a villain employed in the villain trades in New York City. And I was very happy to hear our beloved president make the speech he did today. <coughs> I feel that the time has come that we have to get after this fellow over in Japan and uh, destroy Hitlerism and fascism and all that sort of thing. I think we're a little late. I think we ought to started it when uh, Mussolini invaded Ethiopia, in fact. But it's not too late to give this fellow a licking and won't be very long till he finds out that he won't tread on us, an old uh, standard of an old flag we had when we were born. And I'm only, hopeful, only wishing that I was young enough to go, but I have two sons, and I know they'll both volunteer if it's necessary to lick that fella. 
My name is Karl Niemkau. I came to this country three years ago from Germany. Today, when I heard the President's speech and I saw the United States enter this war, I was fully in favor of this declaration. And I think that the United States' entry in this war will bring to a soon or a sooner close this great tragedy and will have a very beneficial effect to the future state of the world. Uh, my name is Albert Hemsing. I'm a student. Well, reactions to the crisis and to the president's speech are varying on our campus. There's been small uh, discussion groups forming all day, people cutting their class to talk over the events. I I've hardly had time to think what, just what everything means. We've been so busy here in the student council planning uh, what our part can be, how we can best use our special skills in the national effort. I think that the most important uh, behavior pattern for us should be to keep calm, to remember what we're fighting for, and while we're fighting Japan, to remember that perhaps behind Japan there's Hitler, and since I'm a student of economics, perhaps behind Hitler there is an economic system which, after the battle is won, uh, will present the real battle. As a man on the street, I am a salesman, meeting all kinds of people and getting all kinds of opinions on the conditions of the day. The work that I do is door-to-door -door canvassing. I have been asked to give my opinion on the, far, far, on the farm policy of our president. I want it to be distinctly understood that I, as an American, born and raised in this country, am in favor of everything which is beneficial to everyone living in this land. But I sincerely believe, had a different attitude been taken on the part of our president, we would never have to face or be confronted with a condition that exists today. For example, people may say, well, whatever was done years ago was all right. The two wrongs do not make a right. But England, in my estimation, has, has the territory that England has, what she calls by right of conquest, has been taken by force, might over right. She, in turn, feels that she does not want to lose any of those possessions. Therefore, she has called on this country, Germany, who has the right to expand, and there have been tyrants as great as Hitler. History shows that, and if Hitler would not have racial prejudice, he'd really be a great man because he'd be looking out for his country. But under the conditions, he cannot and must not win. My name is Richard Kwan. I work for the city of New York. I think President Roosevelt's speech was excellent. 
and I think it is the only means of, of meeting the aggression of the Japanese by declaring war. And I think all the people of the United States will be behind the president because his speech was an excellent performance of his duty towards the people of this state. And, and I assure you that every working man will be behind the president in his hour of need. I'm a housewife in my 16th year and living in New York City. I'm very sorry the United States has to get into this war. I'm a student uh, of New York City. I am uh, 18 years of age. That is, uh, I was 18 last month. And uh, uh, seeing that the president, uh, his opinions were in favor of war, means uh, I might be a potential soldier in the very near future. Personally, I'm uh, a pacifist, but uh, at times uh, circumstances uh, overrule your uh, personal opinions. Thank <laughs> you. 